Well, welcome everybody to Grace Online this weekend. It's good to see you guys. Thanks for uh, joining us here. And I know I look forward to being together with you guys every weekend. I miss you terribly, uh, but I'm so happy that we're able to get together in this format. And uh, so thanks for being here. I hope you've had a good week. It's been a rough one, right? This stay-at-home order has been rough that's come out this week. And I know a lot of you are looking at issues with your jobs and uh, the way the economy is kind of crashing upon us right now with everything going on with the coronavirus. Uh, So I just want you to know you've been in our prayers and very much in our hearts and on our minds. And uh, love you, love you a ton and asking that God goes before you. Um, Whether it's just being at home or maybe a bunch of your stuff got canceled and you're just bored or uh, just maybe disappointed about spring break and things like that. Uh, It's just been one of those weeks. I stayed at home and tried to work in the yard and cut my finger open and have 10 stitches because of it. So the whole at home thing hasn't gone well for me yet. But it's just kind of all around a little bit, right? And with, with what's going on and the uncertainty of what's going on, it's genuinely kind of rough stuff and it's a trial. And that's what we've been talking about here these last couple of weeks is as a, as a Christ follower, or even if you're not a Christ follower yet, how do we find hope in these trials? Uh, when life is kind of disappointing and it's, it's not going the way we really want it to go, uh, what do we do with that and how do we dig into that? And I want to talk about that with you some more this weekend. So we've been going to the book of James. So if you have a a paper copy of the Bible, open those up and go to the book of James. Or this is all on the app, of course. If you want to use your app, the notes are right there. And uh, we chose the book of James because a couple reasons. One is uh, James is Jesus's brother. And so he just has a a real unique perspective. And just the fact that he calls himself a, uh, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Pretty big statement when your brother says that about you. And then the other reason why we chose this book is because James writes this to uh, people who are scattered. And that's what we're dealing with a little bit right now. It's hard for us to be together, right? We can't really physically. Hopefully you're able to do that with your life groups and the youth ministries, even kids ministries and collective uh, through Zoom and electronically, but we're still not together. We're scattered. And what James is doing is he's looking at these folks who, who have been scattered. And he says, in essence, when you're going through trials and you're going through the, the temptations that are unique to being scattered, this is how you would want to think of it. And this is how you would want to order your life kind of as a result of that. So we've been looking at it a little bit. If you've got it, go ahead and look at it. James chapter one, verse one says this. He introduces himself, James, a servant of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. They says this, verse two, count it or consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, and we've said a trial is really anything from the, from the trivial to the tragic, right? So it's the, the frustrations of just being stuck at home all the way through like the, the, the deep worries that come with, with losing your jobs or not knowing what the future holds. 
And so anything on that spectrum is a trial. So count it joy whenever you face trials of any kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. It builds the spiritual muscle. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. And if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who believes is like a, the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable and all that they do. And we, we talked about verses six, seven, and eight last weekend. And we said that that idea of doubt is, is the idea of a conflicted loyalty. That at, at one moment, I'm kind of loyal to Christ and loyal to my faith, loyal to him, kind of the way that he's loyal to me. And then when I doubt, I break that loyalty. And I, I'll get loyal to like earthly systems or things that I can count on, that kind of stuff. And that's where James says, hey, count it joy. If you're not sure how to do it, ask. But when you ask, like dial in. It's an important thing that you dial in and that you really allow your faith to rest where God wants it to be. So encourage you that that stuff is like out online. And if you've missed the last couple weekends, you want to kind of catch up with that thought process, go grab that. It's probably worth looking at and encourage you to do that. Uh, this weekend, I want to move us forward here in the book of James, and I want to look at verses 9, 10, and 11. Verses 9, 10, 11. James says some really curious things that I think will help us a lot uh, in the circumstances we're in right now, and maybe even uniquely to this past week, and maybe the week to come, and all that's happening around us right now. So this is what he says Look at verse 9, 10, 11. He says this, believers, and I circled that word believers in my Bible. Maybe you want to do that too. So these are Christ followers, people who are Christians. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. And I underline that word take pride in my Bible. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich, the believers who are rich, should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom falls, and its beauty is destroyed. And in the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. So it's this kind of curious statement that James is leaning into. And there's probably, a, a, not probably, there is a bunch of different ways that we could approach those verses. But I want to I get our head around it a little bit because I really believe what he's doing speaks to all of us in one way or another. When you look at verse 9, when he says, believers and humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. And then in verse 10, he says, the rich, and I believe that's believers also, the believers who are rich should take 
pride, I underline that, and their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. So he's talking to two groups of people here, two groups of believers, one group who is struggling financially, right? They take pride in, in the fact that they are in these humble circumstances and this high position of humble circumstances. And then the other group who is not struggling as much financially, they're the rich or the wealthy, and they're to take pride in their humiliation. In other words, they're to take pride in the financial difficulties that have come across their plate that they're not usually used to. And they're to take pride in their humiliation or their step down of where they're at financially. It's fascinating when you, when you look at this, both types of believers are undergoing trials and undergoing temptations. So it's really interesting when you look at the scripture, the Bible would talk several places about the poor and that there are unique trials and temptations that come when we're struggling financially or when we're poor. And then the Bible would also say that those who are rich are unique trials and unique temptations that are unique to those who are rich. Now, let me just stop here for a second and remind us that it is not a sin to be rich. It's not a sin to be wealthy. It's a sin to be greedy, but it's not a sin to be wealthy. In fact, if you're a North American, right? If you look and say, I have food on my table, I have clothes in my closet, I have a roof over my head, I have clean water, I have an education, I have a government that can help me. We would be in that rich category. We don't always feel rich, but we're kind of there, especially on a global scale. So that's not a sin to be in that category. The sin is greed. So he's talking to these two believers and he's saying, some of the believers are in these humble circumstances. Some of these believers are in a wealthier position, but both sets of them are undergoing a unique set of trials and a unique set of temptations, and they're scattered. And so James is writing and saying, you know, what do you do with these trials and temptations that come with poverty? And what do you do with the trials and temptations that come with wealth, right? So let's just think about this for a second. Um, when you think about those who are in the humble circumstances and we take pride in the, the high position of humble circumstances, people in humble circumstances are under trials because their financial circumstances have dramatically changed incredibly fast. Sounds like a lot of us, doesn't it? I mean, in this last week and last week or two, and I think certainly in for the next month or two, some of our financial circumstances have changed incredibly fast and it's brought about trials and temptations for us. Two weeks ago, we were kind of cruising along. And now, now we might be looking and saying, I don't know how I'm going to make my house payment. Uh, I, I got cut back at work or laid off at work. I'm, I'm worried 
about my family's well-being. Uh, if you're retired right now with what the stock market's doing, you're, you're worried, that's a trial. And so it, just quickly, right, quickly in these last couple weeks, the trials of humble circumstances have come upon us and we're scared about it. And that's gonna bring a set of temptations and trials to us. I, I'm gonna have the trial of being in need, right? I've lost my job, I lost my income, uh, my business is struggling, all those kind of things. And it, it's, it's a trial that I am to go through. And when I'm in a trial of need, the temptation is usually like to hoard what I have or to displace my trust in Christ. Suddenly God isn't kind of doing for me what I wanted him to do for me. And so I'm, I'm tempted to trust myself or my own instincts instead of relying on Christ's provision and his, his sovereignty or his control over my life. So there's a trial that comes through poverty and then what James is saying here, he's like, there's also a trial that comes through wealth. And there's a set of circumstances that come through wealth. I've spent a lot of time uh, this week talking with people who are bosses or people who are business owners. And I can tell you that they have had to make some incredibly difficult decisions in this last week and they know that there are difficult decisions coming. It's, it's a very trying time, right? I, I can tell you just for myself and Heidi, uh, some of you know that Heidi and I own a couple of businesses. And of course I'm a boss here at the church and then at CE National, a national organization that I also lead, I'm a boss there. And I can tell you this last week, um, I'm losing sleep much more over what might happen to other people than what might happen to me, right? Uh, between Heidi and I and our businesses and our ministries, we, we have nearly 250 people that rely on us. They rely on us for leadership and they rely on us for their income. And boy, that, is, that weighs heavy, heavy on your heart when you are worried about whether you can keep the provision coming for these families and these individuals, right? And so those of us who would be kind of wealthy, we would own things and be in charge of things. I can tell you that as a believer, as I'm talking to people like this in our community and in our church, as believers, they're not asking, what about me? They're really asking, what about them? How do I continue to help provide for these families that depend on me. It's a trial, right? And it's a trial that comes to those of us who biblically would be wealthy. So James, like James is looking at all that kind of stuff because these folks in the, in the book of James here, they're undergoing persecution. We are not being persecuted. We're not being persecuted because of our faith in Jesus Christ, but we are undergoing a trial and he's looking and saying, hey, those of you who are struggling with your humble circumstances and those of you who are struggling with your wealth, uh, you need to dial in here because those who are struggling with wealth, the trial is the trial of responsibility, 
What do I do? And, and what's the best way forward? And the temptation is to be arrogant. It's not my problem. Or to be selfish. I'm going to, I'm going to look out for number one. And, and, you know, they're just the people who work for me. And so all of this is running through everybody's mind right now. Right. It's been a rough week. And we're looking at the bills and we're looking at the job and we're looking at our children and we're looking at the people who depend on us and we're feeling that weight in a very real and a very powerful way. And part of what James is, is pointing out here is that trials and temptations are the common denominators for all Christ followers. It doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor or you're young or you're old. We all undergo trials and we all undergo temptation. And James says very specifically that we all are to count those as joy, regardless of where they come from and kind of regardless of where I sit, all of us are to count those as Joy, right? In fact, it's curious to me that James, when he's, he's writing to these people, they're scattered and they're, they're, they're really going through it, right? These guys are running for their lives in a lot of ways. So they're really going through it. And he looks at them and says, I, I want you to count it as joy. And then he uses this, this really curious phrase where he says, I actually want you to take pride. Ta take pride and your humble circumstances and take pride in your humiliation. I, I take pride in my need and I take pride that that need has been put upon me as a, as a, a rich person, James's word, that this responsibility now is waiting on me in, in a different way, right? So what does that mean and, and how does that play? So let's go back to the beginning a little bit. James chapter one and, and look at verses two through four. James says this. Let me just remind you of this. He says, so consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, that perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. Uh, when you read those verses and you read those in the Greek language, so we, we translated our English Bibles out of the Greek language. Greek, when you read it, has a tone to it. It has a tone to it, right? So our English language would be the same way. So if I, if I looked at you and I said, I'm gonna kill you, man, right? You would hear the tone, if I changed the tone and said, I'm gonna kill you, man. See, you would hear that tone. Well, Greek, when you read it, picks up a tone. And so the tone of this Greek in verses two and four is the tone of a, of a coach speaking to an athlete, believing that the athlete can do more than what they think they can do. It's a, it's a CrossFit coach looking at somebody in the middle of a wad saying, come on, push yourself, you can finish. Uh, it's a football coach looking at you and, and, and just pushing you, right, to, to get that weight up. It's, it's a dance teacher that's looking at you and saying, you can do that routine or you can do that, that jump. So it's the idea of a coach that is pushing an athlete 
because they believe that the athlete can do more than the athlete realizes that they can do. James would kind of integrate all of that in and he would say, listen, why do you take pride in your humble circumstances? Because God believes that that trial, if you'll persevere through it, that you can become who he wants you to be, that you can be mature and completed in Christ in ways you never knew you could. Why do you take pride in your humiliation as a wealthy person? I'm a boss, I'm a business owner, I have all this incredible pressure on me. Why, do, why would I take pride in that? Well, the idea would be because God looks at you and says, count it as joy, because if you do and when you do, the, the, the maturity and the completeness, I'm going to do more through you than you ever thought that I could do. You always said that you wanted to have a strong testimony at work. I'm going to bring that out of you. You always said that money doesn't make you happy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you live that out and help people see that you're actually right about that. I see it in you. And I'm going to allow this trial to bring it out of you. So you take pride that God sees something in me that I didn't see in myself. That God has entrusted me with a trial that, that I wouldn't have entrusted me with. That God knows, God wants to use me in ways that greater than I could have ever asked or I could have ever imagined but he's allowing me to be a part of what he's going on here. And so in these trials, it, it, you just kind of fill in your blank that the trial right now might be your isolation. Uh, for some of us having a stay at home order, we're, we wanna lose our minds, right? We're, we're extroverts, we get energy and life off of people. We miss the gym and we, we miss our garage band and we miss our friends that we go to school with and we miss the dorm. That trial is something that God's entrusting you with. And he's looking at you and saying, hey, listen, if you will count it as joy, you can, maybe you can have a deeper relationship with me than you ever thought you could have. Maybe your prayer life can be richer than you ever thought your prayer life could be. Maybe you could reach out to people that I lay on your heart because you're never still enough to actually allow me to speak to you that way, see? You count it as joy and take pride in the idea that God wants to use you. Your trial may be staying home with the kids. I mean, good night, I'm serious. When you're trapped at home and you're surrounded by your little ones 24 seven and you're trying to work and your spouse maybe is trying to work also, I mean, boy, there is your last nerve, right? God would look at you and maybe say, I believe you can be more patient than you ever thought you could be. I believe that you could have a deeper love than you ever thought you could have. I believe that you could learn to serve your spouse in ways that you never thought you could do it. And I'm gonna trust you with that and I'm gonna bring that out of you. And, and our finances and our job and our future and things with school and graduation and our summer plans and all the things that we're all wrestling with and thinking through, 
God is looking and saying, take pride. I am entrusting you. I'm giving you a moment as my follower where your light can shine and shine brightly. It can scream. It can light up the night of kind of hopelessness and fear. If you'll let me do this work and you'll engage me and walk with me through it. I love what the apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter four, verses eight through 10. He says this, he says, we are, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry in our body the death of Jesus so that the light of Jesus might be revealed in our bodies. Isn't that such a weird metaphor that Paul's using? We always carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus might be revealed. Why would he use that metaphor? What's he talking about? I wrote this in my notes. I said, he wrote that because the death and life of Jesus is the ultimate example of God's power. And that love is greater than circumstances. The death and the life of Jesus is the ultimate example of God's power. And that love is greater than circumstances. When you think about Jesus's death, his suffering and his death on the cross and then his resurrection. In that process, death produced life. The power of God brought to difficult circumstances, pressed, crushed, despair, persecuted, struck down. That power brought to circumstances causes death to produce life. It does the exact opposite because of Christ within us. That power brought to difficult circumstances, brought to trials, causes defeat to result in victory. See, Satan thought he had won. He had killed the son of God. Jesus, by his own power, rising again from the dead, produced a victory and destroyed death and sin. Defeat resulted in victory. Why? Because the power of God and the love of God is greater than the circumstances. And he literally reverses the outcome. So Paul says, yeah, we as Christ followers, we walk around. We have the, the power of the life of Jesus within us. And that's why we see the world completely differently. That's why we would count a trial as a joy that's, that's why we would endure something and know that, that it's gonna bring about maturity and completeness, not defeat and despair. And it's why we would take pride in our humble circumstances and take pride in our humiliation. Because we would look and say, Christ allowed me to be in this position He's given me a megaphone of speaking his love and his truth in trials. And I'm gonna do that in powerful ways. And what happens is this, when we're in hopeless and difficult situations, when we find purpose and meaning and redemption in those circumstances, our mindset changes, the position of our heart changes, and we go from a, a set of circumstances that is kind of hopeless to hope 
filled. And when we live as hope filled people, others will look at us and say, hey, can you tell me the reason for the hope that's within you? What is different about you, man? You just lost your job like I lost my job. What's your deal? You're getting crushed at work like I'm getting crushed at work. How come you're not flipping out on everybody? You're you're dealing with the same kind of depressive circumstances that everybody's dealing with. How come you still are optimistic and have a, a, a kind of a mission in your life? Why aren't you curled up in the corner thinking that everything's gonna come to an end? What is different about you? And James would look at Christ followers and he would say, actually, what's different about you is you're counting it as joy. And, and you're allowing the work of God to take place in your life. And it's accomplishing something for you that's greater than you. And it's God himself who has entrusted you with this time and entrusted you with this circumstances and entrusted you with the trials of your life. The Christ follower is just different. We are just to be different people. We would look at circumstances and we would look and say the darkest of circumstances, like the unjust execution of our God, Jesus laying his life down. The darkest of circumstances result in victory and they result in hope and they result in life. And so we would see difficult circumstances and we would hold on to that same hope. And that hope is within you and I. I am a child of God. I am not a victim of circumstances. I am a part of a plan that uses pain to produce progress. This is all not just bad luck. It doesn't just stink to be me. God is bringing something out in me because he sees something greater in me. So I will trade my sorrows for joy. I will trade my, my trials for, for the crown of life because I'm going to persevere and I wanna be used by God. And it's from that position then that we love and we lead our family, our, our friends, our, our, our roommates, even our community. It's a different hope. It's a different perspective because we know that ultimately the outcome is in the hands of a loving God who wants to accomplish something in our lives, right? Big stuff, man, big stuff. It's game-changing stuff. And remember, James is saying this to people who are in horrible circumstances. This isn't Christian cliche stuff or or Christian t-shirt stuff. This is straight out of the word of God, out of the mouth of the brother of Jesus Christ who watched his brother be crucified and knew that he rose again from the dead. And, And he took from that this teaching and this hope. And to these people scattered who are undergoing horrible circumstances and great temptation, he looks and says, take pride, count it as joy. My brother, Christ, is up to something greater than you could ask or imagine. I think there's a couple of 
ways maybe that we could think about this. And so I wanna talk to some of you maybe who are watching uh, here in the area or maybe all over the country and you do not have a hope in Christ and your life and all of the things that you thought of as safety and security and even certainty have been taken away from you in just a couple of weeks. You thought you were dialed in with retirement. Your business was having a great year in business. Mine was, Heidi and I's businesses were just cruising until two weeks ago. You were certain that you had life figured out and now life is so much different. And can I just say to you that that is not God punishing you. That is not God getting you. That is God wanting you to see him in your circumstances, right? We talk a lot about how we can't control everything in life and now the points has kind of been made for us. But there is a God, his name is Jesus Christ, he's the only one. And he loves you and he cares for you and he would want nothing more than for you to reach out to him right now in these troubled waters. And the Bible says that when we reach for God, that when we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just, he forgives us, he reaches back and wants to take our hand. And if you've never received the forgiveness of your sin or never placed your hope in who Jesus says he is, this is a great time because we need some hope and we need some certainty. And there is no greater hope than a resurrected God and there is no greater certainty than an unchanging God. And I would encourage you with everything in me from your heart to his heart to ask for the forgiveness of your sin, to ask for his love and his presence in your life and to begin that relationship with him. And if you do that, go to that comment card, let us know through the app. We'll reach out to you. We'll email you if you want. We'll, grab, we'll get on a Zoom call if you want. But we would love to have that conversation with you if that's where you're at. I think the other group of people who are tuning in this week is those of us who are Christ followers. And maybe as a Christ follower, you're discouraged. It's been a discouraging week. I have to tell you, I battle it too. I have really battled it this week. And it's so hard to get your head around what's happening to us right now. And it feels like the minute that you kind of get a plan in place, it, it gets blown up. Another rule comes down or something happens financially. And so we're all kind of battling discouragement. And if that's you, what I would encourage you to do so much is to find your hope. You are not hopeless. You might feel that way, you're not hopeless, you're not alone. We may, we may have to be at home by ourselves, but we're not alone. And so find your hope and reach out for it. Find your hope in Christ, spend some time with Christ, set a spiritual goal or two for yourself. Maybe to read the New Testament, maybe to spend extra time in prayer or extra time in worship. Set some spiritual goals for yourself. Reach out to your church family, 
Grace Church is Zooming everywhere. So life groups are, are on Zoom, the student ministries, the children's ministries, collective ministries, the weekend ministries. And if you're not connected, let us know through the connection card and we will get you connected to somebody. But reach out for the hope that God has before you. And then finally, I would say this church, Christ followers, this is a big one, ready? Find your courage. Find your courage. The people of God show up differently during trials and temptations. In Grace Church, we do hard things. It's what we do. So lift up your chin and straighten up and find your courage from Christ. If he's before us, no one and nothing can be against us. He has not left us. We are pressed, but we are not destroyed. We are being persecuted, but we are not abandoned. And we, we must remember that. So think on these things, right? Is how the apostle Paul would say it. Put your mind on things above and find that spiritual courage and count it as joy and take pride in the position that God has placed us. And with gentleness and love and hope and faith, lead. Lead your family, lead your friends, lead your community, and lead in the name of Jesus and through the power of his hope, right? Listen, we love you guys so much and we're here. And we're here differently than we normally are. So reach out, the connection card's the best way. We will reach back. We will be here through all of this and God is in all of this. And so I want you to know that we're praying for you. You are so on our hearts. <clears throat> you are so on our hearts, right? And we love you and we are a church family and we wanna help and shepherd you and walk with you through all of this. So let us know and we will connect right back to you let us know if you need to find hope in Jesus. Let us know if you're discouraged and let's find our strength and count this trial as a joy, okay? Let me pray for us. Jesus, we love you. We're grateful for you. We're grateful that you are bigger than all of it, Lord. And so we rest, we rest in who you are. We grab hold of who you are and we trust you. God, I pray for families. Lord, we're, we're all hurting. And I pray for those who have lost jobs or lost hours. God, help them, protect them financially. Let, let us minister to each other through that this time. I pray for our healthcare workers. The protocols are changing every day and they're having to be on call constantly. God, would you give them strength, give them wisdom, help them. I pray for our teachers who are trying to learn to teach from home and, and all, everything in the school system has been turned upside down. God, I pray that you'll help them and our students who are trying to function in that paradigm. I pray for our business owners and business leaders who are faced with very difficult decisions and trying to love people and manage through this crisis. God, would you give them wisdom as well? 
for our first responders. God, on and on and on and on, your, your people who are called by your name, would you watch over them and meet them in very personal ways? And then God, I pray for those who don't know you yet. Lord, may these difficult times cause a great awakening or a great reawakening to their faith. And would you minister to them in a personal and powerful way? We trust you in all of it, Jesus. We love you deeply. And we ask these things in your name, amen.